you a question. Are you growing? Are you growing? Or are you coasting? The reason I'm saying that, um, I'm going to start a series in a couple of weeks on end times because, and I can't say much about this because I want to talk about it bad, but things are about to happen that are going to surprise everybody with respect to Israel and and, and if you know the Bible, the, the, a, lot, a lot of the Old Testament prophets talked about Jesus Christ coming back at his second coming. They talked about his first coming, but they talked about him returning to earth to stay. And man, we are right in the time. So we don't have but just a cusp. We're on the cusp. We're on the edge of time um, changing as we know it and Jesus coming back. Now, that's, um, you know, I've been hearing that all my life, but y'all, I have. If you know what the Bible says, and we're going to cover that on Wednesday nights and starting in a couple of weeks, but if you know what the Bible says and then you see current events, it's like, wow, this is really, really unreal. This is really happening before our eyes. Jesus is about to come back. So if you ever want to get serious about God, now's the time. You ever think, well, I could have, should have, would have done something for God? Do it now. Don't wait. How many hear what I just said? A lot of, a lot of believers in America, I'm concerned because they're coasting and they're not that concerned because things are nice. But things could get unnice real fast. So I don't want to, I'm not a fear monger, but again, on the other side, be wise, on the other hand, be wise. Because now if you're going to do something for God, now is the time. And besides that, the Holy Spirit's going to manifest in a strong way before Jesus comes back and you want to be slap dab in the middle of that. That's South Carolina colloquialism. So are you growing or are you coasting? So don't be a person who coasts and doesn't grow. Now, um, Growing is on purpose, growing, and I talked about this with the pastors last week as well. You don't grow except on purpose. One of the things I'm going to probably do once a month as I'm also doing the end time thing is talk on leadership. How many know a leader is a servant? If you're a leader, your eyes are on helping other people. You're adding value to another person's life. How many hear that? So I want to help you be a, a servant leader. How does that sound? And that means you're constantly thinking, how can I add value to someone else's life? If you think that way, you are going to change. My mother moved in with me five years ago into our house with Susan and I. Susan and I bought our house in 2006. And uh, when we bought that house, um, it was marketed, as, it was actually a parade of homes home. And it was marketed as a house that would allow someone, an invalid, a person in a wheelchair to have access to the house from three sections from three areas with never getting into a, on, on a step, going straight into a room, and so that it was be wheelchair-friendly and such from my deck, from my garage, and then from another door uh, that goes directly into the bedroom that was for someone like that. So we bought that house with the expectation that our parents, as they aged, some of them would be living with us, and that happened. My father died in 2012. My mother moved in with us January 8th, 2014. I remember the day, and... Uh, Anyway, so she's been there for five years, but, you know, um, one thing my mother said to me uh, in conversation over the five years she's been there, said, Mitch, you know how mama talks, right? I said, Mitch. And uh, she said, you know, you're not the same person that moved out of my house years ago. Now, I didn't do it when she said that. I just kind of looked at her with a poker face. You know what that is? Just no expression. Right? Yeah. But then when I left her presence and went to my bedroom, I went, yeah. I'm not the same person I was. Yeah. In fact, she doesn't know. She said this. I don't even know the Mitch I see now. Because that's not the Mitch that left my house. And I went my way. I said, wow. 
I said, thank you, Father. I changed. I changed. Now you know that can be you. And I don't care what age you are. You know, Abraham was, um, in fact, Moses was 40 years old, killed the man. 80 years old, the burning bush experience. God said, you're going to set my people free. And he changed. How many know that's kind of cool? Abram was 75. God says, you're going to have a, great, have a baby in your old age and your wife's going to renew her youth. You said, that sounds interesting. And they had a baby when he was 100 and she was 90. It changed his life. Changed. You got to be willing to change. Are you willing to change? Are you willing to be different? Now, you can say that, but before you say it, how many know change is not easy? Change is hard. Uh, if you want to stay the same, just keep doing what you're doing because that's what you're going to get, more of the same. You know the definition of insanity, doing the same thing, expecting different results, right? So growth means change, so am I changing? If I'm not changing, I'm not growing. I did a series on that this past November, uh, November October, November. Um, and so I've got this from a book called Leadership Pain. I've read three times. I'm into my fourth read of that book. Um, Samuel Chand is from India. He did some leadership books, which are awesome for pastors like me. And he made this quote, and I've never, and I shared this last week, there is no growth without change, no change without loss. It's getting better, right? Uh, no loss without pain. So there's no pain, no change without pain. Now, why am I saying that? Change will cost you something. Are you willing to put yourself out to change? Are you willing to be uncomfortable to change? Now, if I ask for a show of hands, how many are completely satisfied with everything about your life right now? Shouldn't anybody raise your hand unless you're a fool? Because all of us are in the process of change. I would never raise my hand. There's so many things about me that I don't want to be that way. But I know by the grace of God, if I keep... If I, keep, uh, if I keep walking with God, reading the Word, and praying, something's going to happen. And if, I keep, and if I keep challenging me and saying, keep my heart open to Jesus, how many know I'm going to change? And change means growth. There is no growth without change. Uh, 1983, I read a book entitled um, Ordering Your Private World by a man named Gordon MacDonald. At the time, I was 20. Uh, five years old, and that book changed my life. And in that book, he mentions um, uh, modern-day Jews. They do their Sabbath from uh, the Hasidic Jews from uh, Friday 6 p.m. to Saturday 6 p.m. And when they do that to, through that process, they do very little work. They just kind of sit around and, you know, sing kumbaya to each other and don't do a lot. But, but they think. They think, now, what did I do last week? And, and they think about their past week, their experiences, their work, the things they did, the conversations they had. Then they think, well, what am I doing today? And then they think, now, what am I going to do next week? It's just a way of keep, keep, keeping perspective, backing up from the fray of life and just looking at everything you're doing. So I took that years ago, and I've been doing this for decades now. Regularly, every single week, I have some time. And I just have some think time and I just sit back and I just think about life and think about me and think about what I'm doing. What, I, what was I like last week? Well, last week I was in Nicaragua. How about last month? How about, how about three months ago? Well, how was I? I mean, how was I socially, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically? What, what's my focus? How about six months ago? What about, then I go back, what, what about a year ago? Um, February, almost March 2018. What was I like? 
And I say, okay, what about, what about five years ago? What was I like then? What about 10 years ago? And you get older you get, you know, you can, you know, make it longer. How about 10 years? How about 15, 20 years ago? I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago. Some of you knew me 20 years. I'm that same person. Why? I've changed. Why did I change? I wasn't satisfied with where I was. How many want to grow? Got to be willing to bite the bullet and embrace the pain of change. That is, got to be willing to make yourself uncomfortable. So can I make you uncomfortable tonight by asking questions? I've got 15 minutes left. Here we are. Philippians 3, listen to what the Apostle Paul said. I didn't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, my brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. I love this. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. A lot of people haven't forgotten the past yet and they can't move forward. Until you let go of your past, what you were, what you did, what you didn't do, coulda, shoulda, what you won't ever move forward, right? You kind of like the person, you know, they're looking back at something and they hit a pole, you know, <laughs> on the street. Maybe you've done something like that. Um, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for what God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Let us all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we've already made. How many know you've got to keep what God's already done in your life? You've got to keep doing the things that got you to where you are. But if all you do is just keep doing what you've been doing, you'll stagnate, you'll reach a stalemate, and you won't grow. And so I don't know about you, but how many are look for, looking forward to being, being different in the future? So I've made a choice, and I mentioned this last week to these pastors. I made a choice that, you know, I'm, I'm really planning. Are you planning to live a long time? I'm honestly planning to live now, now, in my DNA, in my Horton side of my family, they live a long time. I mean, they, they live into their, I, I mean, I've got aunts that are 90, 91, you know. They live well on in their 90s. I could see myself living to, you know, I wouldn't mind 95. But I, if I live, I don't want to be, I, I want to be active. I want to see that dude say, what's that old man doing walking down the street? He's mighty erect and straight. I say, well, that's me. That would be me. Well, why are you walking down the street? Oh, well, because I exercise, because I'm going to be here next year this time. And I'm not, I'm not going to be down in the bed. I'm going to be walking around. How many hear me? So if you plan on it as you age, how many expect to age with grace? How many are expecting to age? All right. Well, I am. I mean, there's no other choice. I mean, what are you going to do? So anyway, but when I get to my later years, and I know there's just a few years left, I don't want to look back on my life and say, man, <laughs> if I'd have just tried. Because you'll reach a point that you can't. Right? I mean, when most of your life is over. You don't want to look back with regret. See, I, I've talked to people who regret, and I don't want to do that. So that's the reason now. See, I don't care what age you are. Give God the best you have right now. And in America, it's all about having fun, feeling good, not hurting anybody's feelings. Not putting yourself out. Well, throw that in the trash can and, and, and live a robust life. Give life the best that you've got today and your tomorrow will be great. 
started doing a, a video every, well, several times a week. I'll bore you if I do it every day, but five-minute video. Tomorrow, I, listen, watch my video tomorrow because I'll say something just about that. I got it ready. I can't wait. So be a person who gets involved with life and looks for ways to add value to others. Be a person that's changing. Be a person that's growing. Don't wait till you reach some level of being spiritual before you reach out and do something for God. How many hear what I'm saying? Huh? You'll never reach that level. Uh, we change as we focus on Jesus and others and take our eyes off of ourself. Um, Acts 2, uh, my, my eyes were drawn to Acts 2. The church had begun. Peter had preached a tremendous sermon on the day of Pentecost. Several thousand people were converted in Jerusalem. And, um, and then here's what happened, verse 40 of Acts 2, with many other words, he testified as Peter and exhorted them, saying, be safe from this perverse generation, and that's the generation we're living in too. Then those who received the word and were baptized, and that day were about 3,000 souls added to them, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, in breaking of bread, in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all the believers were together, had all things in common, sold their possessions, goods divided among them all, and as anyone had need. Now that sounds like socialism, sounds communism to me, but don't forget that they were under a dictatorship that was killing them rapidly, and they were fearing for their life, and a lot of them had absolutely zippo and zero because of the government of the day. And uh, so they just pool their resources together. I still think that capitalistic uh, free market is the way to go because it, because it incentivizes people. How many hear me? Another preaching sermon for another day, perhaps. Nonetheless, he said, um, all who believed were together, had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods. Divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness, simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. What I want you to get out of that is they were constantly in the Word. They were listening to the Word. They were praying together. They were fellowshipping together. They had a home groups together that did things together. They weren't isolated, and they were busy, and they were changing and growing. How many want to be part of that kind of group? Well, that's what I want to be. So I got some questions. Y'all ready for some questions? I've got 16 questions here. Let's see. Um, and I have some comments for some of them. So, so uh, think about this with an open mind um, and, and see how this challenges you. Uh, these questions challenge me some too. Uh, so the first one I've already mentioned, are you changing week after week? I mean, really. That is, are you seeking to do things differently today? than you did last week are you challenged are you changing week after week or um are you just going through the motions see a lot of people just come to a church like this well i'm sitting down listening to pastor preach or one of the staff members if he's out of town I'm throw a little bit of money in the offering plate and i'm gonna give text to give and then i'm gonna go home i'm gonna go get me a box of popcorn eat that and no i'm gonna sit down and watch watch a little tv and then i'm gonna get in the shower, go to bed, get up in the morning, and repeat, repeat the routine week, day after day, week after week. See what I'm saying? Well, what are you doing to change? Are you pushing yourself to be, to, to, to be uncomfortable enough to want to change? Now, that's something in my young life God's pushed me. And I wouldn't say force, he won't force your hand, but he'll give you the opportunity, and I bid it. And I'm glad I did. 
So number two, what are you involved in that challenges you? I mean, really, what are you doing right now that challenges you? Again, you've heard this. If you want something you've never had before, you have to do something you've never done before. So what are you doing, what are you doing this week you haven't done before? Um, I started doing those videos last week. I did them some time ago, and I had reasons I stopped, but I started back. Does that challenge me? You know, anything that God's ever used me to do, it's been extremely uncomfortable. For him to call me into ministry and then ask me to do the things that I, most things I've done and still do, it, I'm uncomfortable. You know, it's not easy to preach and have something fresh every single week, every Sunday, every Wednesday, all the time. It never stops. That's a challenge. How many hear me? And uh, so this thing in Nicaragua, that is like, like God, that's like, you know, kind of above my head, like out of my reach. I don't know what I'm doing. And I've almost heard him say, well, that's good. And then you let me do something. Okay, that's fine. You do it. That's good. I'm good. But that's, I'm just saying the stretch. Was a are you challenged? Or are you just doing things? You, you, oh, I got this. I can do this. Well, get out of your comfort zone. If you'll do it, then you'll, God's never called me to do something I could do. He, he's never called me to do something I could do. It's always something that seems like, I can do this. My first ministry experience in a church was a church of thousands in Tulsa. I was one of the staff team members, and I inherited a job, and I had 120 people I had to train, and I didn't even know what to, I didn't even know what to do. I didn't know what the guy that before me, I don't, didn't know what he did. I didn't know how to train these people. I didn't know how to help these people. And I'm like, okay, God. So I'm just saying every single thing I've ever done, I've started churches, I've been on church staffs, I've been on missions trips, green as, as an apple, as a Granny Smith apple. It's like, God, what do you do, you know? But see, God will put you in a place you've never been so you can do something you've never done so you can grow. But it means you've got to be willing to be uncomfortable. And some people aren't willing to be. So in the next question, are you developing relationships with people? I mean, really. Some people in the church outside, they just soon come and ask and not say anything, all smile, shake hands, but not readily get in, into relationships. They won't join small groups. Why not? Well, it makes me uncomfortable. Well, good. Well, it says, listen to this. I wrote this down this afternoon. The quality of your life in some way will be in direct proportion to your ability to get along with others. Boy, it's quiet. Let me read that again. The quality of your life in some ways will be in direct proportion to your ability to get along with others. Learn to get along with people. Press yourself to get along with people. Make yourself uncomfortable. See, that speaks to me because I'm an introvert. I know you can't believe that because I started my life that way. I started my life pouting, inwardly whining. Nobody likes me. Nobody loves me. Nobody taught me. Ain't nobody paying any attention to me. I mean, literally, y'all, first grade. I remember first grade. You know what I'm doing? First grade, I'm walking around. The, I'm, I got my hands in my pockets. Ain't nobody care about me. Ain't nobody thinking about me. Nobody love me. Nobody talking to me. They ain't picking me for the ball team. Nobody, no other little girls are looking at me. I'm the ugly duckling. That's on me. Well, you know, I'd still be doing that with my hands in my pockets, sitting in the corner in a room, not talking to anybody if I hadn't been willing to change. How many hear me? You say, well, well this is why I was ready. Well, you know what? You can change if you want to. This is a great environment. I told the guys last week, failure is not your 
enemy. Failure is your friend. Right? I think I said it on a video this week, didn't I? No, failure is your friend. If you fail, at least that means you're trying. But if you never try, you never fail. So if you don't do it right, just, just, you know, do it again. If at first you don't succeed, what? What did the little engine that could say? I think I can. I think I can. Well, what if you don't do it right? Keep on trying. So with relationships, do that. There's a book I've read twice. I'm on my third read. And it's, you know, it's, it's honestly, it's really a good book. It's not even a Christian book, but it's a great book with spiritual principles. And you've heard of it, and I bet most of you have never read it, and I've encouraged my staff team to read this book. It's changed my life. It's, it's by Dale Carnegie. It's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. Well, I had a pastor friend that makes his staff read, and I thought, well, I'm going to read that book. Y'all, it changed my life because they helped me learn the principles that if I want to relate to people well, I need to make some changes. And just reading that book through the first time, it slapped my jaws every chapter. It's like, I'm not doing that. I haven't been doing that. It's like, well, I need to do that. I need to change. His first chapter title was, If You Want Some Honey, Don't Kick the Beehive. And it gets better from there. So, you know, learn to relate to people. Next question, uh, what are you doing to add value to victory and its people here? What are you doing? You come here every week. What are you doing to add value to what we do? I mean, really, you're just coming and sitting? If you're just coming and sitting, you're probably not growing. Oh, you're listening to some good word, some good word. But if you don't put your hand to do something, you, you won't grow. How many hear me? Greatest thing God ever did for me is call me in ministry because it forced my hand to change. It forced my hand to change me. I, I'm, not even, I'm not even the caliber of person in my view that God should call to ministry. Because I didn't have the experiences. I didn't have the personality. God doesn't call you because of you. God calls you because of him. And God called you into his family because he loved you. And you know what? God doesn't use you because of you. God uses you because of him. And God uses you in all kinds of ways, not because of you. He uses you because of him. He's got this thing called G-R-A-C-E, grace. And it's his ability that works in you to help you do things you can't ever think you'd do. How many hear me? So, again, um, are you doing things to add value to, our, to victory? This is your church. Are you doing things to help us? Or are you just coming and receiving? Or are you participating? When you help somebody else, it also helps you. So, um, you know that old ad is do it scared. Yeah, that I've always done that. So you say, well, I don't know what to do, y'all. I mean, listen, we, we need people helping us in the parking lot, greeting, ushering. We need people helping us in the, in the children's ministry. Which of those kind of pushes a button in you? Say, so, well, I'd like to do that. We, we need people that helps us in visual and audio. We need people to sing, to play our instruments. We need people to help us reach out. We need people that'll go visit people in rest homes, in hospitals, in their homes when they're having challenges. We need people that can help us reach out in our community. We, ha we have community outreaches. We've got things we're doing in schools. We've got street outreaches with uh, Raleigh Dream Center. You can do something. So, well, I've never done that. That's great. You know what? It's stretchy. You know what? If you stretch, you'll grow. How many hear me? So what are you doing to add value to someone else? Now, I got that word add value from John Maxwell. I've read several of his books, and I really like, I just like the idea. 
Here's what he said. I'll never share Jesus with someone unless I add value to them. I thought, wow. I'll never share Jesus or I'll never open my life up unless I in some way help someone else first. So every day, what if you made it your goal every day? Lord, help me to help someone today. That is add value to them. Make their life better in some way. How many know you can do that? Sometimes you can add value to someone by just writing a card and sending it in the mail saying, I was thinking about you and praying for you. How many know you can make somebody's day by doing that? Or, or you can send them something on Messenger, Facebook Messenger. I was just thinking about you praying for you. Or somebody that did something and it helped your life say, look, I appreciate this or that or the other. How many know people just need compliments sometimes? How many know you can go a long way on one compliment, right? So what are you doing to add value to other people? So... Um, Let's see, where am I? Uh, what are you doing to help someone else? Now, here's the idea. Give and it will be given to you. If you want God to help you, how many know you've got to help somebody else? So here's the, here's the slant on this. If you've got a boatload of problems in your personality, ways that you were raised, things that bother you, emotional issues, mental issues, relational issues that seem to plague you over and over again, the best way to get over them is not to concentrate on them. That sounds weird. No, the best way to get over them is start helping someone else. Because when you help someone else, God begins to help you. Because Jesus said, given it'll be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. And running over. But if you sit around saying, I'm just having problems. Because my mama didn't love me. My daddy didn't. My daddy left and my parents divorced. And you, know, you can talk about all the problems and those are serious things, but you know what? We've got to be willing to focus on someone else before God ever does something for us. I say it all the time. What happened to Job? Job 42.10. The Lord turned Job's captivity when he prayed for his friends. He took his eyes off of him and all of his, oh my Lord, what happened to me? And he put his eyes on somebody else and God helped him. Proverbs 11, uh, 24 and 25, there is one that scatters and yet increases more. There is one that withholds more than is right, but it tends to poverty. The liberal soul will be made fat. That means blessed. And he that waters will be watered also himself. Now, when I was in Ethiopia, I got to tell a story about it. I'm about to finish. I got to tell a story when I went to Ethiopia. Let me just say, the Ethiopian people, if you're big, you're blessed. If you're overweight, that's good. That means you got to favor a God on you. So I'm just going to say it. The guy's like a big Y. Yeah. It's really weird. I'm so like, wow, really? I think the West needs to learn something from that. How many hear me? So he said, the liberal soul will be made fat. And that's that idea. If you're blessed, you got plenty of meat on your bones because God's blessed you big. How many hear me? I'm not saying everybody go eat like a pig and then get big. I'm not saying that. You, Better watch yourself, watch your weight so you won't get diabetes or high blood pressure when you get older. How many hear me? Close that mouth. Anyway, our, number, um, the next thing is, are you involved in our small groups? Are you involved in our small groups? You say, well, I don't like to be around people. I'm too busy. Well, we'll make the time. You know, if I stayed the way I was when I was 20 years old, when Susan and I got married, I was still, part of me was still, reticent to be around people, introverted, and um, God did something inside me, and I, you know, I, I can't put my finger on the day he did it, I can just tell you that I wasn't satisfied 
winding by myself in my corner of life. And I started just talking to people, opening myself up to people different than me. And I figured out every day that I can learn something from someone else. So I would just talk to people and ask them questions about themselves. And, and I found out if you, if you want to learn how to talk to somebody, let somebody talk about themselves. People, How many know you like to talk about yourself? Is that true? So if you don't know what to say, well, just let, let the other person talk about themselves. And then ask the Lord to help you. Now this sounds funny. When I was dating Susan, I was 19 years of age. And I was so backwards uh, socially that, you know, I was so intimidated by dating such a beautiful lady like Susan. It's like, why would she ever want to date somebody like me? That's what I thought. And I thought, man, wow. So I was like really honored. But, but it scared the bejeebies out of me. And, and I'm not kidding. So I, every time I had a date with her, I said, God, I don't even know what to say to a pretty woman like Susan. I did. And I said, God, I, I ask you to help me to know what to say. I, I don't even know how to carry on a conversation with her. I'm intimidated by her. She's so pretty, and I'm so, help me. And you know what? You know what? He helped me. And you know what I did from that? Every time I went to meet somebody new, I went to a bank, I went to an attorney's office, I went to the doctor's office, went to a professional person's office, or went to see a pastor, I went to see someone that, you know, to me was so much further along in life than me. I said, God, would you help me? Would you help me have conversation? When I would go somewhere and meet somebody I didn't know or go to someone's home, I've been invited to, to a dinner with, at someone's home. I said, Lord, would you help me? Would you help me have conversation? Because I don't know what to say. And you know what he did? He helped. And you know what? Now you can't shut me up. It's just the way it works. Are you afraid of getting close to people? Do it scared. I was one time filled with the idea that everybody rejected me. And I had that problem. I had a a self-rejection syndrome that was really, um, that was really, really serious. Are you afraid of getting close to people? I was. So you know what? If you move yourself and press yourself, I did it scared. I did it thinking that people didn't like me. And you know what? I've overcome all of those things over the years of my life. And now I love people. I love people from other cultures. I love people that are not like me. I love you. And we're, none of us are the same. We're all different. But I like all of y'all. I love all of y'all. You're different. I like your differences. If you, like, if you don't like me, you'll get over it. I'll pray for you, right? I'm just saying, I'm just saying hey, let's get out of our shells and let's move forward. Have you been hurt by previous church? Here's another question. Most people have been disappointed by church life. And you know what? It stymies, it stymies their, their decisions to move forward and help other people because of what happened to them in their past. Don't let what happened to you in the past in church life keep you from moving forward. How many hear what I'm saying? Yes or no? Forgive those people that have hurt you and um, open your life up or you'll stagnate. Listen, I was three years old in the Lord. I told you my pastor told me I was on my road to hell because I revealed something. God revealed something to me in prayer. Something wasn't right and I told him and I, I didn't understand, you don't do that to people. And I went and told him, and he rejected me badly. And, you know, I could have took him, taken that and said, well, man, I'll never talk to another pastor. I won't go back to church as long as I live. Some people do that. How many hear me? Now, you're here. You obviously haven't done that, but you may be here with a chip on your shoulder because somebody hurt you back somewhere else. Forgive them. And let God minister life. How many hear me? All of these are different subjects in and of themselves, aren't they? Are you reading? Are you praying daily? 
It's our prayer, if it's our personal time with God that makes the difference. I am what I am today in a big way because God challenged me in my younger years. I was 24 years old. God challenged me to, to fellowship with him to begin my day every day so I wouldn't nickel and dime my time away and have no time with God till the late at night when I'm drooling on the page of my Bible trying to read and I'm falling asleep. No, I did it early. I put God first in my day. It's changed my life. It's probably saved my life. Have a time with God. Make sure. If you haven't done that, and I've been preaching on that so much over all these years, if you haven't done that yet, you need to start tomorrow morning. I mean, if it's just five minutes, have some time with God. Get up early enough, throw some coffee down your throat, and, and stand up and read out loud. Read for five minutes. I mean, you know, that's not going to hang no moon in the sky, but it will change your life. I started doing that. It changed me. Start praying. Just start praying for others. I don't know how to pray. I started out, I didn't know beans about praying. I just said, well, Father, in Jesus' name. My, my, I mean, you know, and started talking. My mother taught me. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before, I don't know why I said, if I die before, I'll wait. And then they prayed me, taught me how to pray over my food. God is great. God is good. Let us you know, thank him for our food. Then they taught me to pray the Lord's Prayer. And then so I started with that. But you know, I said, well, yeah, I think I'll venture out, Father, in Jesus' name. And then started talking. Start talking to God. Start praying. Start fellowshipping every day. How many know it'll make a difference? Are you living in a way that others can follow your example? Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Are you inviting people to church with you? It's really quiet. We got those true life cards out there. You know, we went into uh, partnership with the ministry last May truelife.org get those cards and keep them with you and just invite people to church you may be at the grocery store and the Holy Spirit says just give that person a card and invite them to church with you and a voice in your head will say well they'll think you're stupid well that's alright that's all. so what so what if they think you're crazy we are crazy we have the mind of Christ to the world we're crazy we're just different right right do you attend our prayer meetings at least once a month I really want to challenge you We've got about 30 to 40 people that come to our prayer meetings. What about you? Why don't you come? Well, I'm busy. Well, I am too. It is not convenient for me to come here Sunday nights from 6 to 7. I would rather be going taking Susan out to eat a nice steak. But I've chosen to come here and eat that later. I'm kidding, but I'm just saying, come. Come at least once a month. How many hear what I'm saying? Once a month. Start once a month. I double-dog dare you to do it. Put yourself out a little bit. Watch what God does. Help to, it'll help develop your prayer life. Uh, ladies, do you attend our ladies' Bible study Monday nights? It'll change your life. I've talked talk to a bunch of you, and it's really made a difference. Men, are you taking advantage of the fellowship time? Men are loners. Men don't like to talk to other men because they find out what they don't know and what they can't do, and men want to feel like they can do everything all the time. And you're lying to yourself if you think you can. We need each other, men. How many hear me, men? Huh? No, we need each other. So Tuesdays at 6.30, we got a great cup of coffee. Steve, Steve, you've been making good coffee, bro, wherever you are. Come on now. Great coffee. We got our own brew now from Oak City Coffee in Raleigh. Victory Church Brew. So men come. Come Saturday morning. Men, we've got the encounter time, the end of March come. Men, get involved in what we're doing. Get involved in things. Again, the idea tonight is, are you growing or are you coasting? You know, again, Change means uncomfortableness. And you know, for me, I'm constantly uncomfortable. And you know what that tells me? That's great because I won't be next year the way I am this year. I will have changed.